of you, how many of you, I know some of you have, have looked in your bulletin this morning. But uh, talking about kingdom marriage. Now we've been talking about for several weeks, as you know, about being in the kingdom. Colossians 1.13, let me remind you of that, says, For God has delivered us from the power of darkness, which is Satan's kingdom, and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now that scripture does not apply to everybody, but it does apply to Christian people. If you've been born again, that scripture applies to you. And you're not just from uh, thoughtful, of course some of you are not, but anyway, uh, you, you could be blessed by moving to thoughtful, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but you're not just from thoughtful Morgan County, Alabama, United States. Okay? Your citizenship is in heaven. It's a different level, a different category, different thing. And we've talked a lot about rules, and I, and I shy away from rules, but laws or precepts that govern the kingdom. Now, I'm not going to go back and rehearse those. It took eight, eight sermons to get to where I am now. And you can find all eight of those sermons on our website, which is www.myvicfellowchurch.com. Dot .org. So you can go there and you can get those sermons, you can listen to them. And and I had I wish I had told those that went out so that they'll do it. So you help me remember to tell them that uh I want you to hear these messages. And it's not because I'm preaching them, okay? But it's because it's important, it's necessary. There's only two kind of people that does not need pre or, or two kind of people. Let me go back. Two kinds of people that needs preaching on marriage and on the home. There's two kinds. Those that are married, naturally, regardless of how long you've been married, regardless of what category you're in, those that are not married. And the reason is is because that all of us know people that are struggling. We know people that are having difficulties and problems. And you may not be in your marriage relationship. It may be just like heaven at your house. And I pray to God it is. But... You know, there's still, still, even in the midst of heaven, there's still opportunities. Because, you know, do you know where Satan came from? He came from heaven. He definitely did. I mean, he was, he was the archangel that covered. He was the leader of praise and worship. And rebellion was found in his heart. He came from heaven. And he tried to make heaven not heaven, but God said, I'm not going to put up with that, and kicked him out. So... And here's something I'll say this to you now. God has given you and I the authority to do the same thing when Satan raises his head in our home. So your home, it may be the best, most wonderful that you could ever imagine. And I pray to God it is. But let me tell you something. It may be that way. But Satan is still working to try to shut you down and to cause problems in your home. So if we're kingdom people, and we are, if we're born again, we're kingdom people. And because of that, we, our goal ought to be to have a kingdom marriage. Now, something I have found out over the years, and let me, let me go back here a little bit further. You know, I've preached on the home many times in our church. Try to preach on it about once every year, every 18 months. And some of the things that we've said over and over again, and I, I begin to pray, Lord, help me to see some new stuff some fresh stuff to give. And I believe, I believe God is. But I've been looking in several sources and resources of ministers, pastors, 
and and you know that and and you know what I've come to realize that almost all of us follow to some extent the same kind of pattern. And so if I say things you've already heard, then you're blessed because then you can begin to apply it in your life. And, and I may even say something that, that talks about something that you're doing that's good. Let it encourage you to continue to do it. Okay? Don't, if you're doing something that's good and works, don't quit doing it. But if it's doing something that's not good and it's not working, there needs to be a repentance go on and a change of heart and a change of attitude. And there's nobody that's ever too old or been married too long to learn things. And, uh, and I look around here this morning, Loretta and I, I guess, this morning, let's see, y'all been married going on 47. And me and her has been married 47 going on 48. So we've probably, see, 40, 40, how long? 48. So y'all have already made 48, huh? Oh, in December, so y'all be 48 before we are. Okay. Sound like old folks sitting around talking, don't it? <laughs> but even at that, let me tell you something, and I believe these two folks right here will agree with me on this. Even at that, over a long period of time, we still have to watch it or Satan will come in and cause problems and difficulties. And there's many ways he can do that. So I want us to guard. I want us to be able to guard against these things, to identify the attacks of the enemy, and to identify our own personal things that we got going on that's not in line with the Word of God and begin to work on straightening those things out. Okay? So we're going to call this, and I, I don't, this is not my name, my, I mean my title of these messages I came up with. I guess I, I, I borrow some stuff from Tony Evans. If you've ever read his book, Kingdom Marriage, you may recognize some things that I say. But uh, there's a lot of other places too besides him. But, but I like some of the things he said. And if you hear some of that stuff, then that's okay. And if you want to, <clears throat> and let me tell you this, don't go get by your book and say, well, he's going to be preaching Tony Evans in the next few weeks and I'll just go buy his book and I won't have to go to church. Hey, uh, you can get the book at Life, Lifeway. They've got it right there, fourteen ninety five. But if I saw you're depending on, you're gonna miss a whole lot of things. Okay. So, but I want to. We want to talk here in First Corinthians chapter eleven. He said, "Be ye followers of me, as I also am of Christ." And you think, "Well, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Paul was a single man, wasn't he?" Well, we don't know that altogether. We don't know that he was because Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin and according to customs in that day to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be married. So at one point in time, Paul was married regardless of what situation may arose, what may have come about. We're not going to speculate on that. But here where he's saying, follow me as I follow God, that means dedicate yourself to God. I want to tell you this to begin with. If your marriage is going to be the best it can be. It's got to start with a dedication to Almighty God. That above everything else. And, and, and we'll talk more about that as we go along. But listen to what he said. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all the things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Now, 
He's talking ordinances here. When we think about ordinances, we think about communion and baptism and things of that nature. And he's referring to that. But let me tell you something. The greatest, the, one of the greatest ordinances, or uh, an ordinance is a tradition to be observed, that God set up in the church and for the church is marriage. So he said you need to observe this. And then he gave something that has been misunderstood, misused, abused. So this is where we're going to start, and we'll probably use this as our foundational scripture for this teaching. But I would have you to know. Now here's what he's saying. You listen to what I'm telling you. This is something right here that you need to really get a hold of. You see, the Corinthian church had a lot of problems going on. I mean, they, they had problems in their finances. That's the reason they had to teach on finances. They had problems in their commitment to God. The reason they had to teach on it. They had problems with pride in the church. There were some people in the church in Corinth that, boy, they thought they were mature, seasoned Christians, and they couldn't get along with each other. And Paul said, your children walk your babies and walk as children. That's pretty tough going, isn't it? Just because they couldn't get along with each other. And... Uh, and, and they had trouble with their spiritual gifts. They had trouble with their morals, even to the point that one member of the church had to be cast out because he had had sexual relationship with his father's wife. And it wasn't his mother, but it was his father's wife. And he got, you know, he got kicked out of church for a period of time. All of these kind of things were going on. And so Paul said, here's something that we can do to guard against wrong things. He said, I want you to know this. Get a hold of this. Grab a hold of this very thought right here men and women, the head of every man is Christ. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher, I know right now that there's people out there that don't even look to Jesus, they don't have nothing to do with him. How can you say that the head of every man is Christ? He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christian people. He's not talking about uh, folks that, that don't even look to God. He's not talking about people that deny God, even though in essence... They have a priority, and that's to be right with God, and God had set that down and put that in man. But here he's saying this. The head of every Christian man, everyone that professes Christianity, is to be Christ. Head, what does that mean? That means that someone that you look to, that covers you, that protects you, that cares for you, and is there for you to nurture you. They're in every situation. Every circumstance, everything that would go on, it's where you get your authority from. It's where you get your comfort from. So the head of every man is Christ. Now listen, guys. We've got to realize, if we want the rest of this verse to be like it needs to be, then we have got to be sure that Christ is my head. He's the one I look to. That when I call Him Lord, it's not a title, but it's a commitment. When I call Him Lord... It's something I believe about someone that's bigger than me and greater than me and more powerful than me and that loves me in spite of me. And I call him Lord. He's my head. He's the one to look to. The head of every man, every Christian man is Christ. And, and, and sir, if he's not your head and you claim to be a Christian, then you need to recommit your recommitment and commit it and get it right. I didn't stop there, though. The head of the woman is the man. Now, let me, let me just put some emphasis here. The head of every Christian woman is a Christian man 
that Christ is the head of. You've got to understand that guy. He's not just making a blanket statement here and saying, okay, you men's got it. Women are submit to you regardless. You're the head. You're the chief. You're, you're, the, you're the top dog. That's who you are. No, that's not what he's saying. When we put it in the context of what he's trying to give us is this, that the head of every Christian woman, which here the, the better word should be translated wife, the head of every wife, every Christian wife, is a Christian husband that Christ is the head of. That puts a whole different slant on it, doesn't it? And, and that's okay because the next part says, and the head of Christ is God. Now, you know, Jesus don't have any problem with that. None whatsoever. He, he, it don't bother him for God to be the supreme, complete, in charge, even though Jesus, as man, came to this earth and gave himself as a sacrifice. It don't bother him to be in, in, in the line second place. None whatsoever. In Philippians, it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Get a hold of this, folks. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, they're equal with Him, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He, he's, even though He's second, He's equal. This is, this is one of the most beautiful pictures of a husband-wife relationship that I can see anywhere in the Bible is this right here. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and, and came to this earth and learned obedience, even to the death of the cross. He said, I don't want to be that way, but, but follow me. He did, it did not bother him for God to be number one. It don't bother him anyway whatsoever. Matter of fact, he said that there'll come a time, he said, you, don't ask me. He said, just go ask the Father in my name and he'll give it to you. Isn't that what he said in John chapter 15? John chapter 16? Anything you ask in my name, representing all the land, the Father will give it to you. It don't bother him to be in, in this category thought of in second, even though he's equal to. Now, ladies, let me tell you. In a perfect world, in a perfect economy, with a husband, Christian husband, that Christ is the head of, you should have no problem being in submission. Now follow what I'm saying. I'm not talking about just any old guy. You, you say, well, preacher, if my husband is not a Christian... Does that mean I don't have to submit? Now, we'll deal with that later, okay? But follow me what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is that if things are working like they're supposed to, there is no danger, there's no problem for you to be looked at as second because you're equal. You've got to realize that you're equal. You're equal. See, God has order. And He set it down that way. God has order. We see here from the, from the text, that there's God, there's Jesus, there's man, and there's woman. Isn't that what we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3? I mean, it's still up on the board there. You can see it. That's order. God said that. God has divine order. If you don't have order, what do you have? Chaos. That's right. 
And I don't want chaos. I have to deal with enough chaos out there. I don't want it in my home. Do you? Man, that's, that's, the, that's the pits. <laughs> that's the worst place to ever think about having chaos is in the home. But let me say this right here. I, this is just a little, I won't charge you for this one, okay? <laughs> but it seems like so many times we work harder not to have chaos out there than we do in our home. That some people, I read this in Tony Evans' book, right on the first page, he said this. He said so many people look like they were, that they were married by the Secretary of War instead of the Justice of the Peace. <laughs> Why? Because they're constantly, constantly. Anyway, hey, man, I want my home to be good. I get my home good. I can work on my workplace. I can work on my school relationships. I can work on all these other places. I want my home to be good. Let me go ahead back to that Philippian verse I was quoting there. Who made himself of no reputation and learned obedience even to the death of the cross. He submitted to God. But let me tell you what God did. Now listen, ladies, here's why I said you don't have to fear this. Because it said, and because of this, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, whether it be things in heaven, things in earth, and things under earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A Christian husband that Jesus is the head of will honor and promote and support and exalt and lift up his wife and make sure everybody else does too or they've got him to count with, to deal with. Okay. Now, you follow what I'm saying? You see this. See, here, here's some things that, that we need to think about here for a minute. See, the, the divorce rate in America, according to what statistics you read, is now somewhere around 45%. You say, well, didn't it used to be 50 to 55? Well, they think, and I think so too, that the reason that it seems like there's a drop in the divorce rate it's not because people are staying married longer. It's because they're not getting married. So many people don't understand the benefits. And, and, and I'm talking about even in the church. People are not getting married. And then not only that, but, but they're just, uh, you know, choosing not to marry or, be in a, or to be in a union and sometimes even a same-sex union with somebody which is totally apart from anything that God has set down. You see... Uh, in the church, it's about as same as it is in the world, but they also found this out through statistics that when people in the church, when people commit to the permanence of marriage, the percentage of divorce goes way down. Goes way down. Hey, I, I know older folks say that we got we got married in a day that when reason we're still married, we got married in a day whenever when things was broken, you didn't throw it away, you fixed it. Well, I'm here to tell you, that day is still today. If you're a child of God, your marriage should never be thrown away just because it's broke in some area. Our goal as Christian people, through the help of Almighty God, is to fix it. To fix it. And, you, you know, people say, well, I don't want to. Then you need to go back and refer to your relationship with God if you don't want your marriage fixed and working and doing good. Can I just be blunt with you? I'm going to anyway. 
Too many people have a worldly worldview of marriage. I call it a worldly worldview. And that is this. Here's what the world looks at as far as marriage goes. If it don't work, we can call it quits. Just get out of it. Be, be through with it. Uh, another thing the world says, there has to be one domineering partner. There has to be one in control. You know, I thank God that, that we've far passed the day of the Archie Bunker, don't you? <laughs> and another worldview is that both partners can be of the same sex. Or we can just live together and act married. No, that's what the world looks at. You see, Hollywood has determines what marriage is to so many people. They, they put on these uh, sitcoms, 30 minutes, hour, series, one, one you know, week after week after week after week of the same garbage of what marriage is, and their concept is wrong. You see, your home and your marriage cannot be defined in 30 minutes. It can't be, or, or even an hour as far as that goes, or even a 12-week series. Wouldn't it be something if every problem you knew, hey, man, 12 weeks from now, we don't have this thing solved. See, there are situations that arises in the home, but many of them are not funny. And the world makes fun of problems and circumstances and situations. Hey, if there's a problem between me and my wife, it's serious business. It's something I can't handle. And I'm telling you something, guys, that I have learned, big, strong me, Christ head of me and all of that, and me head of her, I've learned that there's nothing wrong with me going to her and saying, I apologize. I'm so sorry I did that. I'm so sorry I said that. I'm so sorry I acted that way. I learned that a long time ago. And, you know, I still have to do that. I'm working on it. I don't think it's as... Either I'm not doing it as often as I should or I don't have to do it as much as I used to. One of the two, Okay. <laughs> I'm working on it. But, you know, there's a biblical worldview of marriage that we need to accept. And that is marriage is not two people just living for each other. See, we've been told that, oh, marriage is just two people living for each other. No, it's not. It's that. But in reality, it's two people teaming up to live for God is what it is. See, we've got to have that at the center. Every marriage is to be approached by both husband and wife as a royal responsibility, and there has to be the determination to succeed. Marriage doesn't just happen. It has to be worked on. You don't just live happily ever after just because you said, I do. Nowadays in time, there's so many that says, I do today and tomorrow they wish they hadn't. But every marriage is designed to be happy ever after. But it's not automatic. Marriage is a divine solution to being alone. God said it's not good for man to be alone. So what did God do? He invented marriage. He'd done made everything else there was to make for Adam and done, had already given it to him. But he said, Adam, you're alone. It's not good. And, well, I got you, God. No, it don't count. I'm going to make somebody like you to help you, to be with you, to support you, to encourage you and be there for you and for you to help them and support them and encourage them and to be there for them. Make them like you. Nothing else that God made can replace a woman, man. I'm telling you. 
Marriage is the uniting of a man and a woman before God so that in his eyes they become one. One spirit, one soul, one body. They become one in purpose and one in motive and one in goals and one in will. That's God's design. That's, that's my view of marriage. One. Oneness. Two. Become one. Two. Uniting together. To be together before Almighty God. See, kingdom marriage not only shares passion, and that's something that we want our marriage to have is passion, and, 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 and we do, and, and, and you know the physical part of it, and the attraction, and the date night, and all of these kind of things. And, and that's there, and it needs to be there. But let me tell you something, guys and, and women. The more you work to develop a marriage lifestyle that is a kingdom marriage, the more of these other things is going to be there. All of this other, the happiness, the, the passion, the fulfillment is a byproduct of two people committed to God and letting God lead in their life. And and, and I'm telling you this, there's a lot of byproduct to it once we begin to move in this way. See, but marriage is not just this, but it, it has a purpose. What is your purpose? Well, the, our purpose is to reflect the glory and majesty of God in this earth. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, 27, 28, right at the end of the creation chapter, we find where that God had made everything that He had made, made the earth. Sun, moon, stars, universe. I mean, all of these things was made. On the earth, he got the dry land to one place and got it situated out and had the land and the ocean. And then he had the animals on the land, all the plant life and the ocean, had all the fish, had the, the birds to flying in the air, had everything that he had made. And over in one section of this great earth that he made, he, he just reached down with his hand and said, right here, I'm going to have a garden. And he planted a garden. Think about that. Hmm. Think about that. God, wow. God planted a garden. That's something to that. That's just, I'd never, wow. Hold on a minute. We got time to do a little Bible study. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden. I mean, God did something. God was not just speaking everything into existence. God did something on purpose for the man that he had made. I mean, just an old, you don't just say, okay, garden be. And God could have done that. Don't, don't get me wrong. God could have done it. But this was so special and important to God that God Himself planted that garden. And you say, well, what does that mean for me? Is that God had a plan for Adam and Eve in that garden. He had a plan for the garden. And I really believe that because He told them that, that these seed, that every plant bore seed, that what Adam and Eve were to do was to function in that garden and expand that garden all over this earth and eventually even into outer space on the other planets that everything was to be perfect and in order like it was that God had it in that garden. Wow. And that's great, isn't it? On purpose He did that. Now, but before He did that, in Genesis 1, 26, God made this statement in all of His creation. 
He said, let us make man in our likeness and in our image. You're in our image and in our likeness. And let them have... I want you to notice, now he said, let us make man. But then he said, let us let them. Now, now when he said this, two, two things we've got to realize here. He was talking about man as being more than one. He's talking about here, in essence, the beginning of the human race. But also he's talking deeper than that when he said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Let them. Well, who's the them he's talking about, really? Is he talking about everybody? Maybe God had more than one creation? No. But let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over everything that moves on the face of the earth. So God created man in his image. Go ahead, that next part. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, now get a hold of this. In the image of God created he him. Male and female. Now there's, there's where, the, actually, the first reference in the Bible to marriage, to union, is found right here in this verse. Genesis 1.27. God made them male and female. Man, woman. He didn't make them man, man, woman, woman. He made them man, woman. And the very first thing that they heard out of the mouth of God was, I bless you. Because it said, and God blessed them and said, talking to this man and this woman, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Subdue it. That means you've got to put forth some effort. Some things taking place. You've got to... To, to apply yourself to this and have dominion over the fish of sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, God established here what's called the dominion covenant. Well, we know that when God blessed them and God put them there, that it wasn't long until the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But it was not until God had let them see and understand that everything that He had made, He had given it to them. See, the psalmist said in Psalms 8 that he, when he cried out, he said, God, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you should visit him? That you've made him lower than the angels, yet you've crowned him with glory and honor and had given all your creation into his hand. All your creation into his hand. You gave him all of this. And in, in essence, he said, God, why'd you do this? That's, uh, Psalms 8 is a statement of faith in God's ability, but it's also a question, God, why did you do this? Now, you think about that. Why would God relinquish his authority and his control to man? And, and, but let me tell you, God did not relinquish his control and his authority to man. What God did, he kept his control and his authority. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But he delegated to man and woman together to take care of this earth. 
That was his goal, his job, his, his, what God wanted to take place was that man and woman would take care of this earth. So, God said, you're made in my likeness. You're made in my image. Uh, where do you see your image? You see, well, I see it in my children. Well, yeah, to some extent. But when I go into the mirror, I see my image in that mirror. And you know what I see in that mirror? I see an exact copy of me. An exact duplicate. Mirrors don't lie. Right? I know sometimes you want to stand there and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, are you lying to me this time? But no, they don't lie. They, they present an exact image of who you are. Now, when God made us in His likeness and His image, He made us to mirror Himself here on this earth in our love, our union with each other, and in our power and authority that we exercise on this earth. Did God know that Satan was going to come and, and into this? Sure He did. God has known the end from the beginning and if he's known the end, he's known the beginning, and he's known everything in between. God knew that, so God said, Here, I want, I'm going to put you in this garden, and I want you to keep it, I want you to protect it. And remember, remember, Adam, you have dominion over everything that I have made. You have that dominion. You, and, and, and then when Eve came along, you and Eve have dominion, authority, over everything that I've made. You have the authority to protect it, to take care of it, to guard it. You have dominion and authority over Satan. You say, well, now, Pastor, that's well and good, but we all know they failed. Yeah, we do. But that wasn't the end of the story, you see. If that had been the end of it, if Genesis chapter 3 and chapter 4 had been the end of the Bible, then, folks, let me tell you something. The only thing we could do is just hope for the best. Right? And isn't that what a lot of folks do anyway? Well, I don't know. I just hope for the best, I reckon. No, no, that's not that. You and I are made in the image of God. And, and, and with God abilities and God qualities. And we have God's power and ability to overcome the devil and to move him out of every situation that would come into our life and that would come into our family. We have the right to take authority over him as far as our, our spouse is concerned, as far as our children are concerned, as far as the health of our family is concerned, as far as our finances are concerned. We have the authority to take that power and authority over him and to not allow a lot of the junk to go on that we're allowing. Let me tell you, let me tell you when's the best time to take authority over your children or over the devil, over your children too. You need, you need some authority over your children. But take that authority over the devil as far as your children's concerned is when they're still at home with you because when they get out on their own, you know, it's a different story. You can pray and intercede. But while they're still at home, we need to learn how to command the devil to leave them alone, to take his hand off of them and begin to teach our children the right way and the right things of God. What did God say to Abraham? I'm going to make this covenant with Abraham. I trust Abraham. He's going to command or teach his children and his children after him. So, you see, God has given us this responsibility. God set out to teach Adam everything that he needed to know. 
He didn't need the tree of knowledge. God was wanting to give him and would have given him everything he needed to know. He would have given Eve everything she needed to know. And folks, that's what, that's what we've got to come to the point now that we've come this 6,000 years from that time, over 6,000 years from that time, but it seems like man's knowledge of God should have been greater and we should have known more than what we do, but, but we've not given it that. And the reason is it's because we've not worked to develop a kingdom mindset and a kingdom understanding about the things that God has given you and me. It's true Adam and Eve failed. It's true they sinned and lost what God had given them there in that garden. But, you know, even at that, when God said, all right, I'm taking you out of the garden. It's not going to be a perfect society anymore, Adam. Your perfect society is over with. Taking you out of there. He said to Eve, you're going to have difficulty. There's going to be things. But he said to Eve, he said, listen, Eve, you're going to try to rule over him, but your desire is to be to him. In other words, he's to continue to be God, Jesus, man, woman. And he said to Adam, he said, he didn't tell Adam he was going to starve to death. And a lot of folks think that, that poor Adam, now he probably wasted away. No, he didn't. He lived 900 years after this. He just told him, he said, you're going to have to work for what you get. You're just going to have to apply yourself. Some, some curse and some things came on the earth that, that caused, you know, things not to be good and pleasant in the neighborhood anymore. But that's not the end of it. One day God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, took the curse to restore our rights before God, our privileges to defeat the devil and to give you and I power and authority to overcome him again. There's nothing better, nothing greater, no greater agreement than when a husband and wife will join together in the power of God and use the name of Jesus to overcome situations and difficulties in their life. That's, I'm talking about, folks, that's what God intended, and that's what God set down for you and me. Now listen, it comes back to this, and you, you'll know that I've got to get this in somewhere, but God, in doing what He did, making everything that He made, giving the dominion covenant, have control over everything that you have, all of these things, all the way down to God saying, Adam, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to create a woman. And he created a woman and gave her to Adam. All of these things God was saying to Adam this. He was saying to his creation, to man and woman, my number one priority above everything else. Now think, in God's priorities has not changed my number one priority is to have an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with the man that I've made. Now, when he said man, he, he meant the, the union, the relationship, husband and wife. The him in Genesis 1.26, that's who he's talking about, that he would have an intimate. See, folks, God's not against us. God's not setting up there marking down every little thing that you do, and then after a while he's going to come along and thump you on the back of the head and, and get your attention and, and uh, break your back and, and, and burn your car and, and steal your house and, 
and, and take your job and all of this just because he's got too many check marks against you. God's on our side. And God's number one priority is to have an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with me. With you, with each one in here. And let me tell you, that priority that God has is set for all mankind regardless of whether they believe in Him or not. It don't make any difference. People can say, I don't even believe in God. That don't make any difference. God still has a priority, and that's to love you unconditionally. Nothing we can do to change that. His priority is set. And it's there. That's the reason we're still here. So he told, he told Malachi 3, he told those Jewish guys, he said, said, I'm the Lord God, I change not. That's the reason you've not consumed. That's the reason you're not running around crispy critters. That's the reason I hadn't destroyed this thing. I'm the Lord God, I change not. And my priority is to have an intimate, personal relation, eternal relationship with the man that I've made. So, I'm made in God's likeness and God's image. I've got qualities, I've got characters of God. I'm not God, I can't be God, I'll never be God. Even though there's a lot of folks that think they are God, they're wrong, they've been deceived. There's not but one. Our universe is, is what's called a theocracy. And that means, theo is Greek, it means God. Ocracy means rule. So this, our universe is God rules. It's not man rules. I, I was reading this week, and that term for man rule is homoocracy. Homoocracy. I said, boy, I'm glad that we theocracy. I'm glad God's in control of this thing and man's not. We think we are sometimes. We think we've got a handle on everything going on. And the only way we can have a handle on everything that's going on is that it be in, in the mindset and in line of the kingdom things that God has already said. God said it's you as husband and wife. My number one priority is to have an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with you. Folks, I'm going to tell you, that's the only way that we can be assured that our marriage will succeed. That's it. We can use any kind of counseling system. We can set down guidelines that we want to go by. But the only way that me and my wife can be sure that our marriage will succeed another 48 years is that we understand that God's commitment is to love us regardless. And because we're made in His image, that's my priority. My priority, as I stand before you today, along with my wife, is to have an intimate, personal, eternal relationship with my Creator. I know as long as we walk in that, the devil can't, can't cause it to be any other way. We may make mistakes together. We may make mistakes individually. But as we come together and walk before God, as we look to Him, which we do a whole lot, and make Him our number one priority. I know I've told you all this, but when I was dating her and actually got engaged, I told her, I said, uh, you know you're the second love in my life. And she knew that back down the road I had been engaged before. And I never forget that little, riding that little Simca car that I had, you know. You set this close to each other whether you wanted to or not. Because it wasn't about that wise about that long. I don't know if you know what a Simca is or not. That's what, what I had. And uh, I said to her, you'll always be the second love in my life. 
And she looked at me. She said, what are you talking about? I said, because Jesus is going to be number one. And she said, I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, can I tell you, after almost 48 years, she's still the second love of my life. I love my children. love my grandchildren. I love all of y'all. She's number two because God's still number one. And I, th- I know that's the way it is with her too. That commitment, we're committed to this thing. And I want my marriage to be a kingdom marriage more than it's ever been. And I want that for you too. You know, you say, well, I'm not married right now. Well, listen, I don't know all the ramifications to this, but I do know the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for woman to be alone. I believe God has somebody for everybody at the right place at the right time. Just do like Adam did. I say this to young people too. You don't have to get involved and play the dating game to find out who God's got for you. Do like Adam did. Just go to sleep. Sleep, trust the Lord, and when God brings you out of that trust and sleep, He'll have somebody for you. And it'll be the right person. And you won't have to wonder. Hallelujah. Kingdom marriage. We have a responsibility for that. If we're kingdom people, God has a plan and design for our marriage. You bear with me over the next few weeks. We're going to look into that plan and that design and see what God has for us. Y'all stand with me just now.